Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. We're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Today, we're going to talk about pressing towards the mark. We're going to talk about how not to lose hope. I think a lot of people are disenfranchised and disheartened. And I will tell you this, everything that I see from contemporary sources, news outlets and stuff like that, even in politics, I'm quite frankly, what what people in this day and age refer to as white-pilled. So there's red pill, blue pill. Red pill is if you um, have been a Democrat, and you, in the United States anyway, if you've been a Democrat on the left and then something convinces you to come to the right, uh, colloquially, at least in the United States, people say, well, you've been red pilled. If, Dem- if you're a Republican on the right and something happens that convinces you to come to the left and, and identify more closely with liberals uh, left-leaning politics and, and being a Democrat, then you've been blue-pilled. That's pretty cool. I can get behind that. It, it's, it's adequate enough to explain what's going on to the phenomenon of changing sides. But I tell you what I'm more interested in is white pill, black pill. And, of course, the black pill is when you look around and you see things that make you uncomfortable, that you're disheartened by, that you're disenfranchised by. You feel like, woe is me, there is no hope. I think about the preacher of Ecclesiastes, Solomon. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. It doesn't matter how good I do. I'm going to be successful in my time, but the kingdom I build, as wise as I am, as rich as I am, it's just going to go to a poor fool. And then he's going to squander it all away. Vanity, vanity. So there's there's a sense in which you can be blackpilled if you look around today, but I rather think that Christians, how should I put this? Remember, I'm not saying if you feel momentary bouts of, of sadness that your faith is fractured, but what I'm saying is should, Christians should be what is referred to in this culture as white-pilled. We should be able, we have the tools at our disposal. We have the message from God's word to be able to look around at this society and go, you know what? It's pretty bad, but I was warned about this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to choose to look at the good because I can see past the immediate moment and I can see to uh, the future. I can see the larger picture. And I know that God's in control. I know that one day Jesus is returning or I'm going to die. and. I'll leave all the worries and trials and temptations of this world behind, and I'll be welcomed with open arms into the next. Folks, I highly suggest reading Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. Anyway, good to see everybody. Happy Wednesday, Diana Merritt Harden, Terry Crooks. It's good to see you. Um, as folks start coming in, I'm so thankful that you're uh, that you're here and that you're commenting. Uh, remember, if you're watching Christianity Now streams, it would be wonderful for you to hit the like button, to hit the subscribe button, the notification bell. 
And uh, it would be nice for you to share the stream from YouTube onto your Facebook account. And something that I forgot to do, I just remembered, I forgot to go into YouTube and change some settings. So, yeah, anyway, we're, we're, we're going to be all right. But I need to remember to go change those settings because Restream doesn't tick some boxes and it causes the, the reach to be dampened. All right, let me get in here to the captions. Uh, we want to hear a word from our sponsor, Lindsay Dotson. LindsayFayDotson at gmail.com. Are you part of a congregation seeking effective ways to spread the word about your event? Well, look no further. Lindsay Dotson specializes in designing modern advertisements for churches or any organization that she sees fit to design for. Whether it's flyers, postcards, or social media graphics, Lindsay's got you covered. Reach out through a private message on Facebook or send an email. This is the preferred way. Send an email to lindsayfaydotson at gmail.com for more details. Don't miss this opportunity to make your message resonate far and wide. Contact Lindsay Faye Dotson today. And for those who ask, I'm going to, and incidentally, her contact information is up right now. Pause it, pause the video and get it. Lindsay Faye Dotson at gmail.com. And now we have the tip jar up and some of you use the tip jar. That's great. I'm so thankful for that. Uh, the little piece for my microphone came in. I cannot believe it cost as much money as it did, but it does help. It's a, it's a lot better than this thing right here. This thing right here is meant to uh, be spoken into like this, but I was having to use it like this, so it still functioned okay, but it didn't function exactly the way it was supposed to. Now, let's get into the meat of our podcast. I wrote an article uh, for the Christianity Now Substack. I believe I linked the article in the show notes. The title and subtitle is Maintaining Positivity in a Fallen World, Pressing Towards the Mark. And I'm going to go to the book of Philippians, chapter 3, and I'm going to read a, a, a selection from Paul's writing here that, quite frankly, is very inspiring to me personally, and I hope it's as inspiring to you as it is to me. All right, Philippians chapter 3. Let's see. I'm going to just start reading in verse 8. Verse eight's a little bit before the, the crux of the matter, but I like this section of Scripture. Hello, John Exum. Good morning to you. All right. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Such beautiful poetic language. Folks, he's saying, I, I'm, I'm going to live as if I have already attained, though I know I haven't. I, I, but then he's going to say, I count not myself but to have apprehended but one thing. And I, I read this without the italicized words from the translators because i think that 
absent the italicized words, conveys Paul's message better. Brethren, this is verse 13 of Philippians chapter 3. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. And I put forth that you can go to Colossians chapter 3 and figure out what it is Paul was speaking of that we should all mind the same thing. Brethren, if we then be risen with him, we need to set our affections on those things that are above where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. We're dead. Our life is hid with God in Christ. Or with Christ in God. Whoops. Let me go read that. That's terrible. I can't remember that. All right. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ setteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on those things that are above, not on the things of the earth, for you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. There you go. So mortify some of these things in your member, in your members. Press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Folks, let me tell you, when I look around and I look at this world and I see the quote-unquote bad things and I start finding myself feeling hopeless, I focus on the end goal. I have to have some understandings of some things. I have to understand that all who will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I have to understand that I am not a citizen, permanent citizen of this world. In fact, um, going through the immigration and stuff like that uh, for Canadian citizenship, you have permanent resident status first. Uh, permanent resident status means you have a right to entry. So like with the permanent resident status, if I go to the United States, when I come back to Canada, they, they, my my PR status just lets me come back. They, they, in other words, they function from a place of you have a right to enter. Now, if I'm doing something stupid, they're still going to call me on it and I won't be able to enter. Like if I'm, you know, bringing contraband or something like that, you know, if you do that, but, um, you still have a right to enter. Like for instance, whenever I went from Canada, to the United States recently, uh, LaBeth and I went to, uh, Maine to sell my truck. Um, whenever we got to the border crossing in Maine, they looked at our United States passports and they just waved us through. We, they didn't question it. We had a right to enter where whenever we went from United States to Canada, we had to pull off to the side and we had to prove that we were eligible to enter into Canada. All right. Well, now, why did I say that? Oh Yeah. We are residents of the earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. Some use Paul's words to say we do not have eternal life on earth at all. We need to have a balanced view, living eternal life, but humble enough to know it can be lost if we disobey. 
Yeah, so John, th- this is a very nuanced. Let me let me get out. I, I want to talk just a moment about this because it it depends on what perspective you're coming from. It is absolutely true that right now we are not saved. And it's absolutely true right now that we have not been given that crown of life, that eternal life. All right? I mean because quite frankly we can die. And we're not saved because we can still be lost. Think about it like this, and I think this is where some of these people are getting at. If I were in a 100-story skyscraper and there was a fire and that skyscraper, uh, I could not exit. I had to go up to the roof. I might be informed by security and some of the firemen, get to the roof. If you just get to the roof, you're saved. Why? Well, because a helicopter is coming, and the helicopter is going to be taking people off the roof. All right, so me and 10 other people, that's dumb. Me and nine other people, so 10 of us. We climb stairs, climb stairs, climb stairs, climb stairs. And we finally bust out onto the fresh air and sunshine above the smog and smoke of that fire in that skyscraper. We take that first sweet, deep breath of fresh air and feel that sunshine on our face. And we say, yeah, we're saved. Nobody is going to say, well, no, we're not. However, if the helicopter never comes, we are not saved. We're in the location where the blessing of salvation will eventually be. That's the way it is with Christianity. Whenever we obey the gospel, when we're delivered out of the power of darkness, we're translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. While we're on earth, we're in this metaphysical location where salvation will eventually be. Now, does that mean that I want Christians to walk around saying, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's a 50-50 chance. Am I saved or not? I don't really know. I got to got to be faithful till I die. You only have to be faithful. And this goes right along with the show about how to not lose hope. You only have to be faithful for one moment in time. Think about that. The future is not existential. It doesn't exist yet. The past used to exist, but it no longer exists. The only, the only reality there is, is the reality of the moment. Christian, you only have to be faithful for one moment in time. That's it. If you mess up, course correct. And we're well able to do that. But I get it. I, I, don't, like, um, I, I don't like this idea uh, where, where people are trying to well, I think they make people pessimistic about their salvation. John says, I'm speaking to the attitude or mindset. I agree with you, Tony. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. Now, oh, hold on a second. Let me get back to, uh, let me put this back up on the board. There we go. Come on. There we go. Now we got it. All right. Let me get back to the chat. So, uh, this article that I wrote, Maintaining Positivity in a Fallen World, Pressing Towards the Mark. 
if I did not have a faith in Christ Jesus, if I were not able to keep my eyes on the prize and understand that the things of this world cannot compare to the, to the things of the next, I'd lose hope. I'd be blackpilled. I'd be that fella nobody could stand to talk to because, well, the world is just going straight to hell all around us and there's nothing we can do about it. And, uh, I mean, the only thing we can do is, is sit down and watch everything burn. So I'm going to read just a little bit of this, um, this article. It's a short article, but um, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about how not to lose hope. And I've talked a little bit about that. Keep your eye on the prize. Don't take, your, don't take your focus off of Jesus, and, and you won't lose hope. So in a world characterized by turmoil and disappointment, maintaining a positive attitude can be challenging. We really have to understand the fallen world. So going all the way back to Genesis, the concept of the fallen world is an integral part of Christian doctrine. It acknowledges the presence of sin and imperfection where the initial harmony of creation was disrupted by human disobedience. The resulting world is the one in which we live. It still bears the mark of divine creation, but it's now, it's now marred by various forms of suffering and injustice. Think about the, um, in Genesis chapter 1, or excuse me, in Genesis with the creation accounts, with man, you know, God said it is good. The first thing that was not good was the fact that man was alone. And then God gave man woman, and they were told to tend the garden. And then, of course, you have the fall in Genesis chapter 3. Well, what is the answer to living in a fallen world? Go read Genesis 4. Listen to what God tells Cain after he murders Abel. Or we'll go well, actually, that's that's wrong. Go listen to what God tells Cain after he gives an unacceptable sacrifice. God asked Cain, like, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, will it not be accepted of thee? And if thou doest not well, then sin lieth at the door, unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Good morning, uh, Susan Marie. Good to see you. And uh yeah, Hebrews 12, 2 comes to mind. That goes with Paul's words. Yeah, yeah Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 for sure. The, the culmination of Hebrews 11, Faith Hall of Fame. Basically, the Hebrews writer is stating there, uh, you can live through this fallen world and you have this great cloud of witnesses, but if this cloud of witnesses is not enough to give you hope, then look at Jesus. So, the answer to the fallen world is just to live in accordance with the laws of the cosmos. The laws of the cosmos are ascertainable, but they are also given to us in Scripture. Second Peter chapter 3, all things that pertain to life and godliness are given unto us by the knowledge of him that, that called us to glory and virtue. Folks, we have all things that pertain to life and godliness contained in the tome of God's word. So even if we were not very scientifically minded and we couldn't ascertain the laws of the universe from empirical evidence and data, we would be able to ascertain the laws of the universe from studying the Bible. In other words, we know how to order ourselves. I think about Genesis or uh, Acts, rather, chapter 17 in Paul's uh, Mars Hill, the Areopagus Discourse. 
He talks about God. In God, we live and move and have our being. We function within the moral parameters, within the parameters of God, which, which that is a, a, a subject, an objective, rather, that is an objective moral stand, uh, standard. So the answer to the fallen world problem is just live the way God wants you to live, and you will be better off. You will live the best possible life you can have in this world. Now, that's not the Joel Osteen message of your best life now. I don't want to live my best life now. I want to live my best life in eternity. If if I have two lives, one in eternity and one in which it is appointed unto me once to die and after that the judgment, I want the best life to be the longest one. I don't want the best life to be the shortest one. Think about that. All right. So I've gotten way far ahead of my article and left my article. Uh, the Christian response to this fallen world. In the face of such challenges, Christianity offers a response that's neither naive nor dismissive. The Bible, especially in the New Testament, provides a framework for understanding and enduring worldly trials. A key aspect of this response is the emphasis on future hope, a promise of a realm far removed from the present world's limitations and sorrows. Go read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Brethren, comfort one another with these words. Those who are dead in Christ are going to rise first, then those who are alive are going to go up. We're going to meet him in the air and there forever be with him. We have something better coming. And this life is temporary. I can stand temporary hardship for eternal reward. All right. Hope beyond the present. In fact, let me highlight that. Let me, let me give this little excursus here. It really, 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 really plays on my emotions. It bothers me greatly when a little child, like a young child, is hurting, especially a baby. The reason it hurts me so much and the reason it affects me so deeply is because I know that developmentally that child has not developed to the point where it understands an existence beyond the moment. In other words, that child does not know what it means. That child has no concept of prudence. That child has no concept of while I'm this, this pain, this, this existence that I'm currently in that is so miserable. If I can just last it out a little bit, it's going to get better because a, a better thing is coming. They can't understand that. It ta I don't know. I would have to talk to a developmental psychologist that deal with certain things, uh, that deal with these aspects of, of childhood development. When does a child start uh, actualize to the point where they start understanding that the moment is not all there is? Christians don't need to be like little children in that way. Christians need to understand that this present moment is not all there is. Even if you are pressed beyond measure, 
and you're contorted to the point where your life in Christ is not even recognizable compared to someone who is not suffering, you have to comfort yourself with the fact that it's temporary. You can deal with it for a temporary amount of time because the present suffering cannot compare to what is coming. That is so difficult to do, it takes work to be that disciplined in our minds. And that's why, that's why psychologists and therapists have jobs. That, that's all. A lot of times people have such a misunderstanding of, of therapy. A therapist doesn't make suggestions on how to handle a problem. A therapist allows you to see through the darkness and past the darkness and to see a future that gets you through that suffering. And that's all you. The therapist just helps you conceptualize that. And, and, and that's, that's about all I'm saying. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Let me tell you something. That remembering, Terry Crooks, is very, very powerful. Go back and read the Old Testament, particularly paying attention to the prophets. The prophets' messages, whenever the children of Israel were going through hardships and trials, always were to bring remembrance of what God has done in the past. Listen, what God has done in the past, he can do now, he can do in the future. As you live your life as a, as a Christian, you suffered hardships and trials. Did you get through them? Yes. Then you can do it again. God can help you again. God is not a well where there's a finite amount of water. God is a well from which innumerable, inexhaustible, unmeasurable blessings flow. So let's talk about hope beyond the present. So key biblical passages offer insight into this perspective. I cited Romans chapter 8, verse 18. This speaks to the idea that the sufferings of the current time are insignificant when compared to the glory that awaits believers. This future glory, unseen and eternal, offers a stark contrast to the transient nature of current struggles. Think about this. Current struggles, the struggles of this life, folks, they wax and wane. They come and go. I have said this, and I don't mean to push somebody off into nihilism or to discourage anybody, but it's true, and I think if we can wrap our minds around this truth and assimilate this truth with an understanding of how it fits in our faith, we'll be better off. Here's the truth. If you are born and you live to a ripe old age and you die painlessly without trauma in your sleep, and you don't have any evil happen unto you in your lifetime, you have still led a very tragic life that compared to what God had in mind whenever he said, let there be light, it is one that is defined by suffering. Human beings was never, human beings were never supposed to understand what it felt like 
to feel the weight of the passage of time. I'm only 46 years old and I am, I am very aware that I have, that, that more of my life is in the past than, it, than, than there is in the future. That's not something that human beings should have to deal with. But sin came into the world and death by sin. So even if nothing ever, by man's standard, tragic ever happened to me in my life, my life would still be a tragic life. Now, how can you say, well, Tony, you're trying to give us encouragement. It sounds to me like you just talked us down into the doldrums of despair. Well, I promise I haven't, or well, I may have. It was not my intent. My intent is to be real with what we have and the trials and the tribulations so we're not naive, so we can use our faith and the hope of eternal life and Jesus' return to combat those feelings. So did have you ever, good morning, Connie Barden, good to see you. Have you ever gone through a trial and a tribulation where you're convinced God got you through it? Then remember without ceasing the labor of love and the work of faith and the patience of hope in your Lord Jesus Christ that got you through that trial and tribulation. Because if God can get you through it once, he can get you through it again. Similarly, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 17 through 18. Let's go to that and read it. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Nothing around you is going to be eternal. So if you have pain and suffering, if you feel loss, it's not, it's temporary. So 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 highlights the transient nature of current afflictions, viewing them as momentary and light compared to the eternal weight of glory that awaits by focusing not on the visible troubles of the now, but on the invisible promises of the future. As believers, we find this a source of enduring positivity. Now let's talk about living with future focus. This is pressing toward the mark. The future-focused mindset encourages believers to live in the present world with resilience and hope. It does not deny the reality of suffering or injustice. Instead, it places these in a broader spiritual context where temporal pains of the current world are seen as leading towards eternal, more fulfilling existence. Folks, everything in this world that you have, count it as loss. Like it doesn't matter. I'm not going to have it anyway. We just read in 2 Corinthians 4, it says it's temporary. I worked my whole life and I got a brand new Cadillac. 
and then some dummy run a stop sign and T-bone me, and now it's totaled. What am I going to do? Well, are are you fine? Yes. Did anybody die? No. Can you still walk the walk and be faithful in Christ? Yes. Then you really haven't lost anything because that Cadillac, A, if you've got insurance on it, you're going to be able to get it back. B, if Jesus came back tomorrow, you wouldn't care about that Cadillac in in lieu of heaven. So let's, let's live as if we... And you got to be careful with this. Let me tell you a funny story. Well, I don't know if it's funny or not. Some of you mamas who have raised children might cringe at this story. I remember we were coming back from Union City, Tennessee. It was in the wintertime. It was dark. And we were on the bypass around Union City. I, I, I remember it because I, it was the realization. It was the... It was the moment I had the realization that nothing in this world matters. And I was riding with my mama. And I looked over her and I, now I'm, I'm, I'm adopted. And it's a weird, long story, but I call my mother and father, Betty and Bill. I know it's weird, but, um, there's some, there's some baggage there. But I said, Betty, you know, I've been thinking and I've come to realize that absolutely nothing in this world matters. And I think she was okay with that because, you know, as Christians, we kind of have that innate understanding. But then I say, you know, even whether I live or die, it absolutely doesn't matter. Now that got her attention, buddy. That worried her. And she's like, Tony, well, and and I remember the conversation we had. Well, she thought I was, you know, running the risk of unaliving myself. She thought I was having thoughts like that. And no, I was, uh, as a teenager, I was just very poorly um, expressing myself. And, And like, look, compared to eternity, nothing matters on this earth. Now, luckily, I matured past that because, quite frankly, There are things that do matter on this earth. Your relationship with others, how you treat other people, the actions you take on this earth follow you into eternity. So there's a sense in which things on this earth matter. But when it comes down to the physical things of this earth, they're temporary, that that brand new Cadillac that I used in the the For Instance story, uh, your riches, uh, the, I I remember, well, okay, I'll just go, this microphone that I'm using is a Holy Grail microphone. I'll never, ever, if, like if it breaks, if somebody steals it, unless somebody buys me another one, I will never have another one. You know what I'm not going to have in heaven? That microphone. So there's a sense in which as much as I love this microphone, this microphone absolutely doesn't matter. And that's what I was getting at. And I think that's what I'm trying to explain whenever we talk about living with future focus. This future focus mindset, again, I'll read it again. It encourages believers to live in the present world with resilience and hope. It doesn't deny reality and suffering or injustice even. But it just places these in a broader spiritual context where the temporal pains of the current world as we see it, they're leading towards an eternal, more fulfilling existence. 
I think about the funeral director that uh, talked about, he, he said, you'd be surprised how many people want to be buried with loads of cash. So what we do right before we lower them down into the vault and, and cover them with dirt, I take all that cash and I write them a check from the funeral home. And you know what? As funny as that is, I have no problem with that. <laughs> I'm like, come on, people. Anyway, for believers, folks, the promise of a future perfected realm provides a powerful antidote to the despair that can arise from this world's fallen state. By anchoring our hope in the promises of Scripture, we find strength to face the present with positivity grounded in the assurance of a glorious future. Folks, I want to go to 1 John chapter 3, and I'm going to read something here. I love the book of 1 John. Listen. Behold. What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not. The world, we're not in fellowship with the world, folks. If we're not in fellowship with the world, we're not going to be very happy with our existence here. But now here's verse 2. Here's some comfort. Good morning, Sheila Cole and the sword and pearl. Good to see you. So here's some comfort. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. John, that gets back to what we were talking earlier. We're, we're the sons of God now. Now, in this present time. So I can boldly say I am saved, and if I'm a son of God, I have laid hold on eternal life, and I'm not going to let it go. All right. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, folks. My life is not bad. I've had some major trauma. I find myself sometimes telling a story from my past. And people just kind of looking at me because I'm thinking it's just a normal story. And they're like, well, no, I can't believe how, how tra traumatized you must be. They don't use those words. I mean, we're not, it's not a sitcom, but that, that's the, that's the expression. Like people looking in disbelief, like you just told that, oh yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just an average Tuesday. But even so, even with, with, a few really big, tragic things that have happened to me. Overall, my life has been great. But it by no means is the best life I have, I'm going to have. Because one day, God is going to be in heaven. And he's going to look at his son and say, It's time. I'm lonely. Go get my people. And Jesus is going to return. And when he appears, we're going to be like him, and we'll see him as he is. And we're going to spend eternity with him. And I promise you, everything that's happened to you and me in this present world 
It is incomparable to the glories that await over yonder. And hopefully you can comfort one another with those words. Amen, Susan Marie says. Thank you so much. Well, folks, that's really all I've got for us today. I hope that you subscribe. And, and I would love for you to subscribe to $5 a month on Substack. Uh, that's the best and easiest way to, to support me and Aaron. Or you can send at the tip jar here uh, a few bucks. Or there's in the show notes, there's ways to do more. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Don't forget about Rumble. Poor old Rumble down there hanging out by itself. We don't do anything on Rumble. Um, maybe I should live stream on Rumble, but it, it's just a barrier to entry. Uh, the more the more support that we get, the more monthly support that we get, the more we're going to be able to expand the brand. To uh, I, I would I would love if we could hire a couple of people to uh, do things like organizing organizing the content, um, booking more guests for the show. Yesterday, we had Eric Lyons on the show, and uh, let me tell you something. If um, if you haven't gone to the Apologetics Press website and uh, looked at this Defending the Faith Personal Carry Edition, it's about the size of a, uh, well, you can't, hold on a second. It's about the size of a Cambridge, um, about the size of a Cambridge cameo. Um but the dimensions of the Bible is on the is on the website, and uh, yeah, they've got a cardboard backed and a and a and an imitation kind of a soft cover. But it's uh, fourteen dollars for one, but it's seven dollars for thirty or more. And I would love to see every congregation in the brotherhood uh, instead of having the pew Bibles that they currently have. Just buy these cardboard uh, back, these hardback uh, Bibles, and buy 30 or 60 of them, however many your congregation needs, and use them for your pew Bibles. Um, the Riverview Church of Christ is around 33 members now. Uh, we've, we've recently had some conversions. Uh, we've recently experienced some growth. And as small as we are, we're going to be able to order I think we've budgeted for 60 or 50, 50 or 60. I can't remember, but, um, but we're going to order them and we're going to have to take, we're going to have to order them. And, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to send them, we're going to send them to somebody I know in the States. And that person I know in the States is going to send them to us. So if you're out of the country, it'll be hard for you to get a hold of, uh, hold of these Bibles. But anyway, I love them and I'm, I love the idea of them and I'm thankful that Apologetics Press has put those out. But um, the uh, Eric Lyons, the director for Apologetics Press, was on the show yesterday, and the more budget we have, now he didn't charge us any money, um, but there, there may be somebody we want to get on the show that we need to pay an honorarium. And in fact, we should pay Eric Lyons an honorarium. Yeah, I, now now I feel pretty bad. I'm gonna have to. Yeah. Anyway, we should pay him an honorarium, um, because he did take his time time out of his day and stuff like that to come on the show. Anyway, that that's just your support helps in all that. Um, I have a defending the faith study Bible and the commentary is good. Yes, Terry, I, I'm telling you, um, we have them up here 
those Defending the Faith study Bibles. Um, I gave mine away, but LaBeth still has hers. Uh, we have two members of the congregation here that that's what they use as their everyday Bible. So anyway, well, folks, that's all I've got here. I want to thank every one of y'all so much for your kind attention. Remember, like, subscribe, and share everywhere you watch this and such. And um, yeah, cogitations on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, and uh, Podbean. And you can get the archives to these audio. And that's all I've got here. God bless you. This has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. I hope I've said something today to encourage you. Folks, we'll catch you on the flip side.